0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW for void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey folks, Matthew Bivens here. And because you're listening to this show, I know that you want to have the most extraordinary life possible. I'm talking about a life with purpose where you do meaningful work, have fulfilling relationships, and feel healthy and thriving. But many times having all of that doesn't seem possible. You have the happy career, but you are lacking in health. You have meaningful relationships, but you feel lost and without purpose. Well, now there's a way for you to see exactly how you stack up in the most important areas of your life so that you can accelerate your self-growth and truly live the life of your dreams. Using my free tool, The Abundance Benchmark, you will gain deep and valuable insight into six essential areas of life. It's absolutely free, and you can get yours right now at www. Dot matthewbivins.com. I know this stuff is super important to you, so don't put off your personal development any longer. Grab the free Abundance Benchmark and get to having it all. Welcome to Having It All. My name is Matthew Bivins, and each week I bring you conversations and insights that explore the question, what does having it all mean to you? My goal is to leave you with stories you can relate to and messages you can take action on so that you can create an abundant, loving life. I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today. Now, let's jump right into this episode. My guest today is Honoré Corder. Honoré is a successful business coach, serial entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and corporate trainer. She's the author of a number of best-selling books, including her biggest hit, Vision to reality, how short term massive action equals long term maximum results. I love it, and I am all about that myself. Honore is a firm believer that your work should provide the lifestyle you desire. And isn't that the truth? So I am incredibly, incredibly excited to have Honore on the show with me. Honore, how are you being today?
1: I'm being fabulous. <laughs>
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Like I said, I'm just so happy that uh, you and I were able to connect and that you're here to hang out with me and the listeners. Um, We're going to have a lot of great things to talk about. And uh, you know, we're going to have tons of juicy topics. But really where I want to start is just by getting to know you more. So can you tell myself and the listeners more about some of the roles that you play right now?
1: Sure. So you mentioned I'm a business coach. And so I have over the last twenty years, coached uh, executives, senior level executives, to help them to reach and exceed the goals and objectives they have for their life um, and business. You know, garden variety business coach stuff. I have recently, more recently, moved into working with people to design, craft, and self-publish best-selling books and create multiple streams of income from those books. And then I do some keynote speeches. Um, some training, and I am working on my 21st book at the moment, so I write a good bit of my time as well.
0: So you have a lot of different hats that you wear, huh? Especially in the business realm.
1: Sure, yes. And of course, I'm a mom. I have uh, two furry children and a people child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, what are all of their names, both the furry um, and the people?
1: Well, I'm going to take the prize for, for best cat names. So we have Mr. Sylvester Pickles and <laughs> Frappuccino is our girl kitty, and then my daughter is Lexi, and my husband is Byron.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. I love that. So one of the things that I'm excited to talk about is balance, because, I mean, you mentioned a whole lot of different things, being an author, a coach, a mother, um, a wife, and so I want to dive into balance, but um, I actually want to talk a little bit about your story. Um, I'm a huge TED fan, so when I found out that you were on the TEDx stage, I could not wait to check it out. You know, I, I jumped on there, clicked the link, and I wanted to dive right into your talk. And the first three things that you say in your talk are foster kid, children's home resident, barely a high school graduate. Yep. And I have to say, you had my attention right at the, the beginning of your, your talk. So um, can you talk to me a little bit about what life was like for you growing up?
1: Oh, that 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 was it. <laughs> Foster <laughs> president and barely graduated high school. It didn't look promising, and that's why I started my TEDx talk that way. Because it's very easy to look at someone who is successful and think that's where they started. They woke up. You know, I w- I roll out of bed looking fabulous, of course. Well, no. <laughs> There's quite a bit of um, war paint and mousse and hairspray that goes into the presentation that you see, right? And so that's why I wanted to start my TEDx talk that way was to kind of bridge the gap between where I started and where I am today and I really did start out as not a a foster kid in, in, uh, I didn't start out the, my life in the system. I actually didn't become a foster kid or live in a children's home until I was in high school. So I was dealing with some pretty rough stuff at home, um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, that kind of thing. And was taken out of my parents' home, um, around the time I was 15 and 16, um, until I graduated high school and I graduated early, uh, high school early and was working three jobs to finish high school, and so now when people say, "Oh, you work so hard," I think, "Oh no, <laughs> no, really." The hard I did a lot of hard work, like back breaking, physical hard work when I was younger, and so I feel very privileged that you know the the muscles that get used today are the muscles in my fingers, right, from typing and talking and that sort of thing, um, and then. Um I had my first business when I was in my 20s. I started a network marketing business because you know when I can look at back at, at my parents and we can think oh gosh bad parents but actually my parents gave me tremendous gifts and one of the gifts that they gave me was uh the gift of network marketing. So they were they had network marketing uh a network marketing business when I was growing up and I watched that very closely and my dad used to say if you're working for someone you're working for the man, right? You're working for the Pharaoh. Someone's going to get rich, Mm, but not be you. Right. And so I heard that message and I thought, okay, I'm going to have to work for myself, but how am I going to do that? And especially how am I going to do that without a college education? That was a neat trick, right? So my answer to that was network marketing because you don't have to have a college degree or any real special skills. You just have to like yourself and like other people and work on yourself. And the more you work on yourself, And the more you like other people, the bigger your business gets. And so I did very well in my 20s in network marketing. And toward the end of my 20s, the CEO of the company I worked with called me and said, hey, we want to give you a business coach. And I said, I don't know what that means, (laughs) but I'll take it. I'll take anything you want to give me. And um, that That conversation and and the work that I did with my business coach, my first business coach, the first of many, changed my life. And so I became a business coach. And then, of course, to market your coaching business, um, as coaches know, you start to give presentations, speeches, workshops. And so I started speaking. And then someone said, hey, we only have this amount of money for a speech. Is that enough money for you to come and speak to us? And I'm thinking, well, I've been doing it for free, but I'm not going to tell you. So yes, (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. And then I met Mark Victor Hansen, and he said, you must write a book. Everybody's a coach, and a speaker. You need the differentiator. You have to write a book. And, um, that's actually the title of the book I'm working on right now is you must write a book. And it's all about why I believe every business person should write a book uh, must write a book. And so then I wrote a book and then I wrote more books and, and here we are all these years later And I write books. I primarily write books and help people to write books and help Hal Elrod in the Miracle Morning uh, book series to produce those books. And then I am done working by two, three, four in the afternoon. And that's when I switch over to being a cat mom and a mom and a wife and a friend and
0: all those other roles,
1: other, all the other roles, all the other stuff. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned, um, as you, when you started your description of, you know, your story and your life, the word success, and that's a word that definitely means different things to different people. So for you coming from you know your background, going into the the foster system in high school, really just having to, to work and grind it out. How did that shape what success meant for you?
1: Well, I think initially success meant to me finances, um, I had two places where I was in debt. I was mentally in debt. I didn't think very much of myself and I financially (laughs) didn't have any money. So my first goal was to get to zero in, in both of those places was, I didn't really want to love myself. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't fancy that I was going to have some great self-esteem. I just wanted to not dislike myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing with money. Like I had, you know, accumulated a little bit of debt, and by a little bit, I mean a little bit, which felt like a lot. So I was probably seven hundred dollars in debt at my most indebtedness ever, and I was making one hundred and seventy-one dollars or so a week. So you can imagine that it felt like a lot,
2: right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It does. It's funny because you said, "I'm like, wow, that's it," <laughs> having yeah. you know student loans and all that stuff myself. But uh, I definitely see what you're saying. Sure. Based it on felt, what you were making, yeah, it felt huge.
1: It felt everything because I was paying for my apartment. I didn't have a car at the time. I was walking to my jobs. It was uh, more fun than it sounds, actually, and um, uh, or less fun than it sounds. And so I really had to – I wanted to get to a place of zero. I didn't want to owe anybody any money. I didn't necessarily have to have any money, but then um, – once I got to zero, then I wanted to accumulate some money and, and have some wealth and abundance. But I very quickly realized when I, and this really happened more when I moved from network marketing into business coaching and, and interacting more with traditional business people in their lives, I was working with, you know, the the top 3%, 1%, right? Whatever that number is. I don't, I'm not really sure, but the people who make in excess of 250, 300,000, some of them in excess of several million dollars a year. And I kept thinking, boy, the richer they are, the happier they must be. Right. Mm. And that was not exactly the case. And I was I, I i pay attention. Right. People say, how do you figure things out? I'm like, oh, I, I notice I notice things I pay attention. I'm an introvert. So I watch I sit back and I watch. And what I noticed was that it didn't matter how much more someone was making them what they actually needed, that very often they had a lot of debt because they were whatever they were making, they were spending 110% or 120% of that. So they were trying to do something with it. They were trying to buy something. They were trying to eat their feelings, buy their feelings vacation, their feelings. I wasn't really sure it was different for every person, but I just, I just noticed that. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. Like I have financial success and I don't really need a lot to make me happy. And I had accumulated some things, but I noticed that, that what I had heard was true. When you buy something, you're happy for about three minutes. It's really the pursuit of the thing that turns you into the person that you want to be or, or not. And I just noticed that that money wasn't the answer, that things weren't the answer, that going places wasn't the answer, that it, really the things that meant the most to me and felt the best to me were the, the moments of impact. When my daughter would put her little hands on my face and say, Mommy, I love you so much. Like that was priceless. I wouldn't trade that world. When someone would read one of my books and say, you changed my life that mean that meant a lot that means a lot when i i would work with a client and they would say i don't know what i would do if i didn't have you to talk to i didn't i don't know what i would do if i i couldn't pick up the phone and strategize and talk this through with you those are the things that are are most important and most valuable to me and so those things to me mean success today but i have to say i didn't get here right away, I had to go on that journey of discovery for myself. And what, what I had to do was sit back and and notice. And a lot of, I went through a lot of Tony Robbins seminars and I noticed that the people who would go to particularly his more expensive seminars were incredibly wealthy, more wealthy than I was at the time, but they weren't any happier. And I, Hmm. and it took a while for me to notice that. And I wish I had had a mentor or someone earlier on in my life say, it's, it's not the stuff, it's the people, it's not the things, it's the emotions, right? It's, it's how good do you feel? How good do you make other people feel when, when you talk to someone, do they make you, uh, do you make them feel amazing or do they make, or do you make them feel inadequate or, um, not accomplished? Right. And so someone yesterday said, I know how important you are and I know how valuable your time is. And I was like, did you notice when I paid, they like took my money. Like if I was really that important, it would have been free.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll have my $12. Okay. <laughs> so, um, really for me now, it's like, how many people's lives can I impact in the most positive way possible, and when I am when I am done with everything and everyone, are they better than when I found them? That's the question that I ask myself primarily. That's my one of my primary questions.
0: Oh, that's a powerful question. I mean, I can relate to what, where you started out your view of success because that's the you know that's the, the story that we're all told. You know, it's having things, and um, in fact, that's that's why I named the show "Having It All," and that's right. why I turned it "All" into an acronym. Because, you know, that that statement having it all, you know, it's the bank account, it's the the houses, it's the, you know, the clothing, the means to to buy everything and then spend one hundred and ten percent of what you have. But what you just said is what I truly believe having it all is, you know, the those relationships and people who just are around you and they experience your energy and it lifts them up. And, um, you know, it's interesting you said like you wish you had somebody to tell you that earlier. Um, because I imagine there's a listener out there right now that perhaps has, has heard it for the first time coming from you. So it's like you get a chance to pass that on to somebody else.
1: I love that. And I had heard the saying a long time ago, he who dies with the most toys wins. Right. And I think Mm, he, he who dies with the biggest legacy wins. Yeah. How, how many lives did Napoleon Hill impact by writing, think and grow rich and law of success it, it, the number goes on because today is the first day someone's going to go think and grow rich. I've never heard of that book. Let me read it. And they're yep. going to create their morning power statement and they're going to do their visualization and they're going to create their, their, um, their vi- visualization center in their mind with their mentors, with their imagined mentors. And they're going to go through that process and then they're going to pass that on to an incalculable number of people. And I just think that's the coolest thing. And uh, I've gone from having, it all like having all the stuff. I did that, and then someone had to dust it and clean it and insure it.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and- it. And so someone, you know, my mother-in-law said to me, now you're impossible to buy for. And I said, I have these pants. I love these pants. And I told her the brand and like what size and how long they are. Cause I'm a tall person. Right. So I was like, these are, this is the only gift I want. You have two months until my birthday. I want five more pairs of these pants. So I have enough to wear one every day of the week. And she was like, seriously. And I was like, yes. So even one pair is great. That's the only, that's the only physical thing that I actually want in this world.
0: That's awesome. You made it simple for her.
1: Yes. And so my husband was like, okay, we can totally handle that. Otherwise, I want an experience, right? Like when someone wants to meet with me, I say, well, let's go on a walking date because I have to get a certain number of steps in every day. So let's go walk and talk. Oh, I love that. A cup of coffee or something like that. So that's kind of where I'm coming from at, at this point in my life. I I, maybe at some point I will want more things again, but I don't think so.
0: Yeah. And for for you listening out there, um, if this is the first time you've heard of Tony Robbins or Napoleon Hill, just go check out the show notes from this episode and I'll have links to um to their websites and their work so that you you too can, you know, just jump into that material and and see if it can shift your life. Um honore, I want to jump into the next question. Uh I want to talk about a truth that is something that I believe and that's that breakdown leads to breakthrough. And in your TEDx talk, you talked about how there are seeds of amazingness in every yeah. pile of stuff. <laughs> and yes. when I, when I heard you say that, I thought to myself, ah, oh, it's kind of like breakdown leads to breakthrough. So can you tell me about um, the most significant breakdown that you've experienced in your, in your life could be adult life or, uh, or earlier and what breakthrough came out of it?
1: Well, gosh, when you say the biggest one, I, I could think of like 14. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll just pick one that people can relate to, which is either a big breakup or a big uh, a divorce, right? So I was married to my first husband and that marriage ended. And I find no fault. And I, honestly, I take no blame, right? Because it's not about that. It, it, what I want to, the bigger point that I want to make is that going through that experience, taught me again, because I don't always learn my lessons the first time. (laughs) Sometimes I need it a few times just to make sure I get it.
0: I can relate to that.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Um, that when you think something is bad, it actually can be amazing, right? So there's this horrible thing that happens, whatever that horrible thing is. In my case, in this particular example, it was my divorce. I thought, oh my gosh, right. I made the wrong decision. I picked the wrong person. And I had a kid with him. Like no one's, ever going to want me again. Right. I had my chance and I blew it. That This is my self-talk at the time. Clearly not empowering. Um, You know, my poor daughter is going to be screwed up for her the whole rest of her life. Like all these things were going through my head. And now I can look back in retrospect and say, I wouldn't be happily married for eight years to my second and final husband, who is absolutely wonderful. Um, I wouldn't have a good Uh, father figure in the home for my daughter. If that hadn't happened, I would not be the woman and the writer and the coach and the person and the speaker and the mom and the friend that I am today. If I hadn't gone through that, it was a catalyst. So very often this thing that happens, this pile of stuff has within it, these seeds of greatness, right? And you, you can't have the greatness without the manure. (laughs) You can't grow a sunflower. Without some without some fertilizer, and so it's when you think, oh no, this is it. This is the thing that's going to crush me. It's like, wait a minute. Like, what in there is? What are you going to look back five years, ten years, fifty years from now and say, wow, well, if that didn't happen, all these other amazing things wouldn't have happened.
0: So that makes me think of you know awareness and being aware um, and really understanding of what you just said that there are seeds of amazingness and all this stuff. How how would you, like, what would you tell somebody who just doesn't feel like they are that aware right now that things happen to them and they just focus on the terrible thing that happened and they really have a hard time finding that, that seed inside of all the stuff. What would you tell that person?
1: Well, you can't see the seed when it's in the soil. That's the first thing is you don't know what the great thing is that's coming, but you can ask yourself some great questions. And I'm gonna whip out my inner Tony Robbins right now and ask two of his questions, right? Which is, what else could what else could this mean? And what's great about this that I hadn't noticed yet? Makes mm. an incredibly aware person. And maybe this is that message, right? Maybe this is what you've been asking for—is for you to be able to reframe it and see it in a different way. Yeah. What, what else could this mean? Right. What could this mean? Oh, you have another opportunity, honoree. You're only 32 at the time. I was only 32. (laughs) Right. You when I was 32, I was like, Oh, life is over. I'm in my 30s. (laughs) Now when I talk to someone and they're in their early 30s, I'm like, oh, you've got the tiger by the tail, baby. This is a great time. Right. Yeah,
0: they're in the prime.
1: The next 20 to 30 to 40 years of your life are like prime time. Like this is absolutely. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And then you know what's great about it that you hadn't noticed. What's not great yet? What's not perfect yet is another Tony question, right? What's, what could you work on? And, and, and I'll throw in one of my own questions is what, what can I can, what can I control right now? Mm. And very often is the only thing you can control is your psychology is what you're thinking. So when I have a challenge come at me and it's almost like the universe is like, okay, well, you did a good job with the last one. (laughs) Let's see.
0: Let's do another one. Here's a here's an even bigger one for you.
1: (laughs) We we (laughs) really cut this one through. We really think this is gonna be a good (laughs) honorary. Are you ready? Right. And so when something comes at me and it does, I really I dig into what I know works for me. So I do a miracle morning practice, a la Elrod, or I do a a power of power practice, a la Tony Robbins, right? So either one of those are where you are visualizing, you're affirming, you're um, getting quiet and doing some meditation. Like nothing can shift me around faster than taking whatever is frustrating me, hurting me, or angering me and putting it on the treadmill, So if anyone ever walks in on like a 4 p.m. workout session (laughs) running like 12 miles an hour, (laughs) chances are I'm trying to convert my frustration into some positive energy.
2: Uh, Yeah, because it's it's all just energy.
1: I have to get all of that, that whatever it is out and release the endorphin so that I can get into a productive state. So I know for me, like 20 minutes. There's an old workout program, body for life. And in there, he talks about hitting your peaks. And so when I'm not quite there yet, from a psychological standpoint, if I'm still like, you know, I still got that self-talk going it's like, okay, <laughs> back to the gym, girl, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm just productive. I'm not productive and I'm not positive. And, you know, God help the person that comes into contact with us when we're not in our best place. Yeah. And so when I have my cranky pants on, I take myself to the gym. I take myself into the quiet to do some meditation. I review my goals and my objectives and my outcomes. And I also, I also do my values, right? Like what I'm committed, who I'm committed to being, what I'm committed to being. And nowhere on there is that I'm committed to cr- being a cranky pants and ruining your day. I don't say that, right? Like I'm committed to leaving everyone and everything better than I found them. That's what I say every single day. So if that's the case, how do I ruin your day by being mean or rude or awful to myself mm. and to you? So it's putting myself in that place. And some days it's, it's easier than others. I, you know, I mean, it's all about being human. Right. And I was just going to say, you know, if this is someone's first day of hearing anything of this nature, they're like, wow. How does that happen? It's like, well, first of all, we're all human and we're all on a journey and it's not about making you wrong for not being in a place where you go, "Oh, I'll just go to the gym and put myself in a happy place."
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. About
1: what's the next what's the next thing you can do? Like, what's the big thing you can do and what's the little thing you can do?
0: Mm, I love that. You shared, you know, an amazing list of things like, uh, you know, what I heard was awareness, right? Just having awareness that you're in that 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 cranky pants Mood, or you you're experiencing some stuff, and you don't want to be experiencing that stuff anymore. So having that awareness, and then you talked about tools in your toolbox. Like you have, you know, you listed Tony Tony Robbins had given you tools. That some of the things that you had uh, read, or the the experiences you'd had um, with him, and other authors, and other things that you've done, you have these tools that you can go to in order to get yourself back to that powerful space. And then um, I like how you mentioned values. Mm -hmm. I like how you mentioned your values because I think that's huge, you know, understanding what's important to you and what that means to you. You know, for example, if I value family, well, family to me means something might mean something different than family to you. So having those values, I think all of that is incredibly important. And it's very cool that you listed all those things in order to help you get back to that powerful place where you can then serve out your mission and really uplift people's lives.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I it's it's I'm I think I'm a, maybe older, right? I think the normal person you hear on the podcast is is not uh, not doesn't have my uh, wisdom and experience. <laughs>
0: <You> <laughs> know, I don't know the demographic of all of the listeners. Actually, um, I've checked out the stats, but that's something I'll go check out. I think it's all sure. over the place. That's what I like to believe.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, it should be all over the place, absolutely, well, because we're all in a journey, right? It, like absolutely. why. It's why I'm still listening to podcasts as well as being a guest on the podcast. And it's why I read books as well as writing books. Everyone is on their on their journey. And it really is awareness for me. It's awareness of myself. Like how how am I being today? And how can I make sure that I'm being in such a way that the people who are who are encountering me in one way or another are excited and 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 thrilled to have that interaction.
0: Yeah, because just like you mentioned earlier, you impact those people, right? And, and you know, they can feel your energy and, and they'll feed off of it. So are, is your energy is who you are being helping to lift them up or is it bringing them down?
1: at LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You interact with someone in an elevator even if you never speak to them. Even yeah. if you never know get contact with them. Like, your energy field goes into the energy fields of other people. You are, without question, impacting everyone. And you can feel if someone's in a good mood. And you can feel if they're not in a bad mood. And the, the more... Um. The more powerful you are as a person, the bigger your personality, the more you're impacting people one way or the other. And I have to be aware of that for myself. Be, I Being someone who's a speaker and a coach, right, I've got I've had to really own my space and be very confident in my space. That means I also have to be super aware of my energy and what I'm putting off, especially when I'm not feeling myself for one reason or another.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Not- And, you know, the roles that you play in life, you know, like you just you mentioned the coach role, uh, but you're also uh, a mother. You're also um, a wife and a friend. And so and and for for you listening, even if you're not a, a coach or a business person or an entrepreneur, you absolutely have roles that you play where people are watching you. People are looking to you to figure out what to do next and people are feeling your energy. So just being aware of that energy that you're putting off is so important. So, Honore, I want to talk a bit about fear. Um, In your line of work, especially as a coach and as a trainer, um, I bet that your clients have come to you with their fears, and you have to help them navigate them and overcome them. And I'm curious, currently, what's your biggest fear in life?
1: Um, Wow. I I would say the first thing that comes to mind is that, gosh, there are several things that come to mind. One of them is about my daughter, right? As a mom, like that's my biggest fear is that somehow I will miss something.
2: Mm.
1: is telling her something or I won't tell her enough times how much she means to me and how much I love her unconditionally. Cause as a mom, you know, especially a, she's a teenager, right? So she's like, like, Oh, mom. <laughs> I guess <get, laughs> I get a lot of the eye roll, and that sort of thing. And I really do my very best to tell her every day that I love her so much that there, that there are no words to describe how much she means to me
2: hmm.
1: that, especially with my background, that means a lot to yeah. me, but that's my biggest fear. I, that's honestly, out of all the things I could think of that, um, that I would somehow not be as good a mom to her as I could have been if I would have done something differently.
0: Hmm. When you say that, are you referring to career-wise or are you referring to parenting style? What do you mean by do something differently?
1: Well, I I didn't come into being a parent with a full toolbox, a parenting mm. toolbox. So I've had to learn a lot through therapy and reading and modeling. And so I don't know what I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, that that makes a lot of sense. The don't know what you don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't. So I don't know. <laughs> is based on the unknown. And I get a lot of wonderful validation. I, speaking of being in the gym, I was in the gym and the woman at the front desk came, uh, up to me and she said, your daughter is the most polite person I have ever encountered.
0: Mm.
1: And I was like, Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) check that one off.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. Well, and I know that about her and and that is not always my experience of her. (laughs) So, um, but the, I guess I, you reserve that for your mom, right? I get the eye rolls and the, the, the attitude, the teenage attitude a little bit, but she is mostly lovely and mm. I'm so grateful for that.
0: Uh, well, well, your response touched me because right now my wife and I are in the eighth month of our pregnancy. We're expecting our, our daughter in September. Yep. Yay. So, yeah. So I, you know, what you said meant a lot to me. So, um, that was great. That was wonderful. Um, I want to talk about balance real quick. Because as we as you talked about earlier in the conversation, you wear a lot of hats and you've done a lot of things and you're writing books and coaching people and speaking on podcasts. And um, balance has really been a hot a hot button topic on this show in the past. And Mm -hmm. so that means I definitely wanted to get into it with you. So what does balance mean to you?
1: Well, balance to me means that I have enough of everything that I need in order to make the world go round. So, in, and I'm not a typical person. I It's very interesting. I watch certain people, and I'm sure you'll know exactly who I'm referring to without me having to mention his name. There's someone who believes that it's just the grind. Mm-hmm. It's always the grind. There's always the post on social media. It, it looks like this person is running as fast as they can and aging a week every day oh, to yeah. me. And in pursuit of what? I'm not really sure. Um, but I also think there are people that don't do a lot. <laughs> so that someone said, you know, I don't, I don't see you on the dance floor and that their response was, I don't see you at the bank. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But for me, it, it, for me, I want to make sure that I have enough so that I can, you know, I got to pay all the bills. I want to go on the occasional vacation. You know, I don't want to not buy watermelon because I bought apples, right? So I kind of want to have the financial side taken care of. But I also believe in the occasional nap. Oh, yeah. I go to bed early and get up early. Um, Yesterday, my daughter was not feeling well. And so when my husband came home from work, he said, what did you all do today? And I said, well, I did a podcast interview and I did a coaching session and I wrote about a thousand words. And I said, and then we watched this documentary on DB Cooper and it was four hours long. And he just kind of looked at me and I was like, <laughs> 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 like that's, that's what we were doing. We were on the couch. All I was rubbing her back all afternoon and spending the day with her. And And some people would be horrified by that but I, I did my workout. Hmm. I made money. I'm, I did a podcast. I wrote some words, you know, check, check, check. Yeah. I checked the important things off on my box. Um, yeah. I checked all the important boxes and I have to say, I had a realization and you'll appreciate this, right? You say you're t minus two months and counting or yes. one month counting, right? I'm 16 and a half years into it. And I had a realization between seventh and eighth grade that I only had six summers left that I oh, only wow. have is left that I only had six spring breaks left that I only had six summer breaks left when she would be a minor and would be for yeah. sure in my home and then after that i mean she may you know she might live with me till she's 50 i don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah maybe
1: you know it's pretty it's like 85 and sunny in the quarter house all the time <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know that i'd leave either if there were unlimited food vacation you know
0: sounds like a sweet deal to me
1: It sounds like a sweet deal. I don't know that I'd be in any hurry to move out, but she does talk about when she grows up, what she's going to go do. Right. And so I know that there's going to come a time when I'm going to be one of those people that's like, oh, my son called home, you know, like, (laughs) like I want to have a really close relationship with her and later. And while I have her, I make her meals I get up in the morning and I make breakfast for her and I make dinner for her and and I help her do her laundry. And of course she's old enough to do all of those things independent of me and she'll have, you know, 80 or 90 years of doing that. Mm -hmm. But right now, like that's the most important thing to me. So I make sure that I do a couple of things every day that are really super important. And if I get all the other stuff done, I'm excited about it, but I'm not, if I'm tired at four o'clock, I don't push through.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, Oh, it's time to make salad. Yeah. Let me have some quality time with my family. Let me go meet a friend for a couple of hours. That sort of thing that that's Balance to me means having all of your needs met and, and some extra so that you're not stressed out, but all of your needs are not always financial, right? I need time friends. I need time with my, you know, I have date night with my husband every Saturday night. I have um, a mommy daughter date with my daughter. You know, we get our nails done and those sorts of things. Right. And I also make sure that there's work. I want to be a contributing person to the world. And so I get my work done, too. Does all that make sense?
0: Oh, it does. And it made me think of uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Mm -hmm. the concept of big rocks. And so, you know, each day or each week, identifying what those big rocks you wanted to accomplish um, in the different roles that you play. And then if you knock those things out, you know, it might be one or two things, then you're cool. And anything else that happens is just sort of bonus. And so, you know, and it it also made me think of, again, back to values, knowing what you value. So like, like you said, at four o'clock, yeah, you may have a bunch more work to do, but that's when you stop and you, you go into, into, into mommy role. And so the big rocks and the values um, from what I heard you say, is what I took that helps you to create and, and experience balance.
1: Yes. And I think it's important to notice or to note that I've noticed what the needle numbers are. So in other words, like I know that if I walk 10,000 steps a day, my pants are still going to fit. I know that if I write a thousand words a day, I'm going to write the equivalent of three to six books a year. Hmm. I know that at four 15 on during the school year, so I only have two school years left uh, every day at four 15. That's when my daughter walks through the door. And so that's when I want to just take a minute and sit down and say, Hey, how was your day? Tell me about your day. Talk yeah. to me. Lines of communication are open. So I don't schedule anything after, you know, anything that I start starts as late as three o'clock, but has to end by four. So that by the time she walks through the door, I've got a snack. I'm sure she's hungry. (laughs) I was, right? So I'm thinking how, what it would be like for her. What can I do for her? Have a little snack. Have a conversation with her. Give her my undivided attention. And then so by the time my husband comes home, my daughter doesn't feel like she's competing for my attention. Mm, Yeah. But I figured out what the needle movers are as opposed to trying a whole to do a whole bunch of things all at the same time. It's like what are the things that you do that make the difference, right? The 80-20 rule applies. So what's the 80% action that you can take or the 20% action that you can take that's gonna make 80% of the difference?
0: I love that you apply that to things outside of business because you know, if you type that into Google, I think most of the things that come up might be around business or um profitability and marketing and sales and all that but you know you're sure. you're really applying that to to life you know to health to family and all of that that's great
1: yes it applies to everything and i, I you can't do everything like i would love to spend 3 hours a day in the gym <laughs> i would love to blah 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 yeah yeah <laughs> endless at some point i just had to make a choice like what's the thing that's going to make the biggest difference Right now, mm. like drink your calories. I just don't drink calories unless it's a protein shake that makes it easy. What do <laughs> I? Water. What do I need to be hydrated? It yep. seems full, and it's not. Every nothing is a hard and fast rule. It's like I never drink my calories. Well, sometimes I have cream in my coffee. Sometimes I drink a protein shake. I'm human. It's kind of like eighty percent of the time I'm doing what I know I need to do, and the other twenty percent of the time I'm like ah. Huh. Put on a documentary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Spend the afternoon watching TV. That's yeah. Or,
2: or, or,
1: you know, binge watch Netflix and don't shower for three days. That's okay. That, that may or may not happen. I'm not going to confirm or deny. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as you're, as long as it's in that 20%, I hear it's, you. I hear you. Right.
1: It's not 80% of the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That my problem. Mm.
0: So Honoré, what is your big why in life?
1: To leave everyone and everything better than I found them to, to make a positive difference whenever I possibly can.
2: Mm, I love it to the point
1: to, to make sure that I haven't gone through all of the manure of my life without being able to figure out what it meant and pass it on and maybe save someone time, money, energy, effort, or pain.
0: Yeah. That's powerful.
1: And then to laugh and eat as much chocolate as possible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got to throw those in there too. You got to live, right?
1: Got to live. Yeah. Girls got to live.
0: And uh, what does having it all mean to you?
1: I think I've, you know, said that a few times, right. Which is making a difference to other people, um, leaving people better than I found them. And, um, Having everything that I need, I don't really want. I don't really want for much. I don't really want for anything. And so having it all means I have all of my needs met, and honestly, all of the needs of of everyone that I love are is met too.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. So as we come to a close on this awesome conversation, um, I want you to be able to let people know where they can find out. More about you, or how they can get a hold of you, and uh, perhaps you know, purchase some of your books or or um, get into some of your coaching. Because so, can you tell everybody where they can go?
1: Sure, honorayquarter is the kind of the hot spot for everything. But I'm also at honoray on all social media. So just my first name H O N O R E E. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places.
0: All the places.
1: <laughs> places, yes.
0: Wonderful. Well, Honore, I just want to say thank you so much for being my guest today on the show, uh, for hanging out with me, just being transparent and, uh, and really making this a, a fun conversation. I enjoyed laughing with you.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much for this time we got to spend together.
0: Absolutely. Two quick things before you leave. First, did you know that the Having It All podcast is a part of the Fireside Network? Yep, we are one of the esteemed shows that calls Fireside Network home. That means if you ever want to listen to a show outside of iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcasting app is, all you need to do is visit firesidenetwork.com and under Shows, select Having It All. From there, you can access all the episodes, see the show notes, learn about my guests, and more. Second... I am very excited to announce that my brand new website is live. Visit MatthewBivens.com and you can learn more about me, get plugged into an accountability group, and pick up some free content like the Abundance Benchmark. I am all about helping you not only identify what your ideal life looks like, but also helping you on your journey towards it. I want you to experience more abundance and love in your life. So, again... You can find out more information about all of that great stuff at MatthewBivens.com. Thank you once more for listening to the show, and here is to you having it all. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done...